Let's pray. Dear God, we, uh, we are ready and eager to hear what you have to say for us tonight. So we pray that you would speak deep truths into our hearts, God, that your word would penetrate and bear fruit in our lives. So please have your way with us and be glorified. And it's in the name and for the glory of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Okay, so on Wednesday nights for 2021, we're wrapping up the 2021 season, I guess you could say. Um, but, you know, we've been going through the Bible in a year as a church and then looking at it just a, a part of where we've been uh, in the past week. So, you know, we're going to finish up the book of Revelation. If you're reading along uh, with the plan, we're going to finish it up on Friday. Keep reading. Revelation is, uh, it's, you know, the Lord told John, don't seal up the words of this book. He said, this isn't supposed to be a big mystery and a big secret. And I think sometimes we kind of read too much into it. So as a general rule, if you're reading through Revelation, uh, Scripture interprets Scripture very well. So just about everywhere in, in the Bible where we see prophecy given, unless it specifically specifies that it's a metaphor... Uh, where it's been fulfilled, it's been fulfilled very literally. And so as we look at Revelation, uh, there's a couple spots where it says, and then I saw a sign, and we're given you know, a heads up, hey, this is a little bit metaphorical, but uh, the rest of it's given as if it's going to be actual history. And if you read it that way, honestly, especially in today's climate, there's a lot of things that just make sense. And... Um, and so just just start off with that encouragement as we're kind of wrapping up the book of Revelation as a church. You know, stay with it. Be encouraged. The Bible actually promises that you'll be blessed for reading Revelation. So even if you read through it and feel like, I didn't get anything out of it, you got a blessing from the Lord out of it, right? And that's legit. Um, next year, you know, Dad mentioned on Sunday, we're going to be on uh, Wednesday nights going through roughly a book of the Bible a week. And so next Wednesday night, we'll be doing an overview on the book of Genesis. And I'm very excited. Um, I think it's going to be cool, just similar vibe to what we've been doing, but just slightly different approach to try and patch together kind of a big picture framework of the scriptures. So that's all that. Um, but tonight, we are not going to be in Revelation or Genesis. We're going to be in Second Peter. So if you want to turn to Second Peter chapter 1, um, I think there's some just some powerful truths in here that I think are just super relevant for us, and, um, and maybe even in particularly in the context of coming up on a new year, and just you know you're sort of looking backwards and you're sort of looking ahead and and just you know you're you're weighing. Uh, it's oftentimes it's a good time of reflection where we kind of weigh you know where have we come, where are we going, what kind of path are we on, and Peter gives us just some really brilliant. Uh, just wisdom. And so, um, so anyways, here we, go, here we go. Starts off verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind of, as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So who's this? So first off, you know, you open a letter and you want to know who it's to. Who's this book to? It's to anybody who's received a faith of the same kind as Peter's by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So if you've received that faith, then this book is written for you, right? And so Peter has something to say, and he's not just saying it to a person. He's saying it to you. He's saying it to you, right? He's wanting to make sure you understand this book is written for you. And so with that, verse 2, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, 
through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. So first off, he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. And we've talked about this before with, with Paul's letters, right? The grace and peace, it's a combination of um, the Greek greeting of the time and also the Hebrew greeting of the time. But they're always in that order. You never have peace until you have grace. You never have peace in your life until you experience the grace of God. And so Peter offers that blessing, but he also offers an interesting thing. He says, may they be multiplied to you. And I love that idea that he's praying that God will not just give grace and peace, God will multiply grace and peace, right? Because what do you want in your life? If if God's going to give you grace and peace, how much do you want, right? Do you want like the lump sum or do you want to keep multiplying? Okay, we were were talking to a guy today. Um, He said, we were talking about money and investing and interest rates and all this fun stuff. He said, all right, question. Would you rather have a million dollars right now or a penny that doubles every day for 30 days? Do you know what the answer is? You want the penny. If a penny doubles every day for 100 days, you're going to wind up with about $8 million. All right? Because it starts off, you know, one penny, two pennies, four pennies, eight pennies, 16 pennies. First, you know, first week, you're up to like $5.12, right? You're like, wow, this is great. Second week, you're up to about five grand. And third week starts doubling. You know, so you go 10 grand, 20 grand, 40 grand, 80 grand. I'm doing my math. I skipped a couple numbers anyways. But it multiplies really fast. We pulled it out because Malachi's like, wait, does that work? And so we got the calculator and we hit it 30 times. And on day 30, you're going to get about $5.3 million. So if you factor in everything else you got leading up to that, it's about $8 million. But it's just, it's a penny multiplied. Right, which is great because you know, and so I've just been thinking about it. But like multiplication, it's it's something very simple that we can sort of wrap our heads around, but it's something really exponential, right? And that's just multiplying things by two. That's just, I mean, two is a really small number, right? What if we started squaring things, right? Like you know, okay, take two when you square it. What have you What have you got? Four. You take four. <laughs> You take four and you square it, and what have you got? 16. You take 16 and square it, and what have you got? Most of us at this point are starting to kind of, you know, I don't know, I don't know, off the top of my head. 16 squared, it's probably 260, somewhere in there. 256, okay. What's 256 squared? Right? That's, that's, that's a lot. It, that, you know... If you get a penny, well, if you get two pennies squared every day for 30 days, take the, take the pennies, right? It's multiplied. And Peter's saying, I'm hoping that the grace and peace of God are going to be multiplied in your life. He doesn't tell us what factor it's going to be multiplied by, but it doesn't matter. If it's getting multiplied, this is an exponential. He's saying, I, want, I don't want this to mark your lives, right? And then, but you've got to pay attention to why. So he's going to start us off with, with verses 2 and 3. And then really for the rest of where we'll be at for tonight, he's all going to be tying back into this thought. All right? So grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. So there's a period right there. I'm sorry, there's not. There's a comma right there. Anyways, it would have been more emphatic if there was a period. But the divine power of Jesus Christ has granted to us everything that pertains 
to life and godliness. How much does everything encompass? Everything. everything. Thank you. Right? It encompasses everything. So what all do we need to do to, to, to get this grace and peace multiplied to us? What all do we need to do to achieve godliness, to achieve a godly life? What do we need to do? The answer is nothing, because the divine power of Jesus Christ has given us everything, right? It is all there for the taking. We don't, add, we don't, you cannot change the divine power of Christ. He has given us everything, all right? And we've got, and so that's, that's the starting point, all right? Grace and peace be multiplied because his divine power has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness, all right? So then he's going to go on. For by these things, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. By what? For by the grace and peace of God. He has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So we're complete. We're partakers. So not only is this totally complete and totally there, but we're partaking in it. We're, we're a part of it. We're a part of the process of what God is doing, right? We're a part of, we're experiencing the grace and peace of God being multiplied because he's given us everything. So whenever, you know, so that's a gift, right? That's a gift of God. We talk about the free gift of salvation, the free gift of God. If, okay, we just had Christmas, right? Everybody, just about everybody either gave a gift or... Uh, received a gift, all right? When someone gives you a gift, what do you do? You take it, right? It's not really a gift until you take it and open it. It can sit there, and it's a gift, but if it's not your gift until the moment you take it, right? If you stop and say, I don't want it, they'll take it back. They'll get their, you know, they've got the gift receipt in there. They'll get their money back, but it will never be your gift, Right? It's your gift at the moment you take it, okay? So, Peter says, now. So he's going to say, okay, so this is the gift. So, as we take this gift, right? As we take this, as we're receiving this and, and accepting this, what happens, all right? Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence, and we're going to read through a couple of verses and then we'll, we'll go back and, and sort of break them down. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence, in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, he says, all right, now, for this very reason. For what reason? Because the grace and peace are multiplied to us. Because we have everything pertaining to life and godliness. For this reason. In, in my version, my translation, he says, um, supply. The New King James Version says, add. It says, add to your faith. And I like that. Because we just learned that grace and peace are being multiplied. Right? We just talked about, that's a, that's a huge factor. That our brains don't even really wrap around in a big sense. Right? But adding is a little different, right? I can sort of, you know, what's one plus one? Plus one. Plus one. Plus one. We could do that just about all night long, right? 
It's, it's, it's really pretty linear. It's pretty straightforward, right? So when he says add to your faith, he's not saying it in the sense that you're contributing to what God didn't contribute, right? He's saying, you know, you, as God multiplies exponentially, you should be adding as an appropriate response, not because you're changing the work of God, but because it's the appropriate response, right? When somebody hands you that present, you unwrap it, right? You rip through the paper, not because, you know, you just, that's just like your hobby that you rip paper, not because it makes the gift any more valuable, because it's how you receive the gift. You open it up. So we open it up by, with all diligence, adding to our faith. And then he says, moral excellence. So the King James, New King James Version says, virtue. So if you want to respond to the grace and peace of God and, can, and respond in light of the fact that he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness, if you want to respond to that, okay, how do you respond to that? How do you, how do you live a life that encompasses that, right? Well, so we're going to add some things, all right? These are things that we should be seeking to add into our lives. And, and that's part of why this is a great thing to look at as we're coming into a new year, right? He says, add to your faith virtue. So if you want to respond to the, God, to, to the character of God, do the right thing, right? Live a life that's appropriate, right? It talks about, you know, throughout all the New Testament, you know, your, your reasonable service and, hey, we've just done what's expected of us. We're just, we're unworthy servants, but we're just doing the will of our master, right? There's all these concepts in the New Testament that, hey, we're just, you know, we're just responding. So respond in virtue. To your virtue, add knowledge, okay? If you want to respond to who God is, learn about who God is, right? Don't just Say, okay, you know, I, I got it, I'm done, I figured it out, you know, I learned John 3.16 and now I'm good. No, no, learn about the character of God. What is it, what, you know, what is God like? We, we like considering all these ideas, you know, Revelation describes him as the lion and the lamb. And too often what we, you know, just in, uh, kind of just a quick one that's, that's been on my mind lately in terms of the knowledge of God. We talk about God is the lion and the lamb. And what we usually mean by that, if we're entirely honest, is we mean he looks like a lion and he acts like a lamb. Or that's what we would like him to be, right? We, we kind of envision this, you know, this lion teddy bear. But that's not what it says. It says he's the lion and the lamb. He's a lamb who has not lost any of the characteristics that make him a lion. He still has all the teeth, all the muscles, all the claws, all the power and the speed, right? He's got all of that. And, and he hasn't lost any of it. He hasn't lost his ability or even his willingness to use any of it at need, right? But he's also a lamb. You know, when, when in, in Revelation, there's the, there's the scroll that's tied up and it's like the title deed for earth, right? And, and only a perfect, righteous person can open it and says there's nobody in heaven except this, there's, John says, I saw a lion, and then he says, the lamb started breaking the seals, right? So Jesus, is, he's, he's both. He's the lion, but as he's taking back the earth and pouring out the wrath of God, he's pouring it out like a lamb. And so, so how, do we, how do we wrap our heads around that? Well, you, you add to your faith knowledge. You learn about who God is, right? How do you learn? Well, a good place to start is in the word of God, right? God wrote us a whole book saying, here's who I am, in case you're interested, Right? If you want to kind of get the answers to the test, here's who I am. So we 
Respond by saying, okay, I want to grow in knowledge of who God is, in the knowledge of holiness. To your knowledge, add self-control. The Christian life should be marked by self-control, by a willingness to deny the flesh. Right? And this is, you know, for all of us, this is easy to say and it's a heck of a lot harder to live out. But self-control is one of the just appropriate base-level responses to who God is. Right? If, if the grace and peace of God are multiplied to us, we should be responding in self-control, growing in that. To your uh, self-control, add perseverance. It's kind of the same idea, but on just a different level. Right? Ideally, you have self-control that perseveres over a long period of time. Right? Self-control once is fantastic. Perseverance is self-control over a long period. It's a long obedience in the same direction. Right? Perseverance should be one of the defining attributes of a Christian life. To your perseverance, he says, add godliness. Pursue the heart of God. Pursue the nature of God. Try and, you know, and again, you got to remember as we're discussing these things, we're adding. We're not multiplying. We're not changing what Christ has done. We're not making our salvation more secure. We're just responding, right? But add godliness into your life. To your godliness, add brotherly kindness, Right? By the time you've added self-control and perseverance and, and the knowledge of God and all this, being kind to people should be a logical next step. Right? Like, that's just kind of that's how it rolls. He doesn't say be nice. He says be kind. Right? They're not always the same thing. And to your brotherly kindness, add love. And if you're going to add love, I'd suggest you add the biblical definition of love, not the cultural definition of love. Right? Just like I would suggest adding kindness and not niceness. They're not totally the same. The kindness and love are going to do what's best and what's right. They might not always do what's fun and peppy and, you know, positive vibes and all that, but they're going to do what's right. And, and you know, like uh, somebody breaks, a, breaks an arm and the bone heals the wrong way, a nice doctor is going to say, you are beautiful just the way you are, right? Like that arm is crooked, but you know what? You're beautiful. And a kind doctor is going to say, you know what, I'm going to break your arm again, and I'm going to put that bone in the right position, and we're going to heal this thing up straight so you can actually use it, right? And he's going to put you under anesthesia, hopefully, and he's going to break it as gently as he can, right, because he's still being kind, but he's going to do the right thing. So he's going to be kind, he's going to be loving. He's, he's, so we're responding by adding these things into our life, and we get a promise. And this is important. He says, for if these things are yours... And are increasing. Um, the New King James says, For as these things are yours and abound, it will leave you neither barren nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you are adding these things, again, it's not changing your salvation. It's not completing what Christ didn't do, right? But what's it going to do? It's going to make sure that you are not barren and that you are not unfruitful. Right? And so, as we're looking at this list, and I'm, you know, I've been just chewing on it in, in light of New Year's, and everybody's making New Year's resolutions and all this kind of stuff. This is, there's an interesting thing. I'm not a fan of New Year's resolutions, because resolution is too strong of a word for what most of us do, right? Most of us make New Year's wishes, and we make them very abstract so that we don't have to really hold ourselves to the line, right? But a resolution is something hard and heavy, like, when you resolve, that's like a marriage vow or something. That's, 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 that's an intense level of promise and commitment. 
Most of us, you know, I want to lose weight. It's not like your honor's on the line or, you know, it, this isn't life and death, right? So if you're going to set goals for the next year, I'm all about it. I've got my list of goals at home right now, okay? I'm still chewing which ones I'm going to scratch off the list. But, um, but if you got goals, set goals. Set goals that, you know, are actionable. Where You can say, I want to lose, you know, 15 pounds. I want to read 20 books. I want to, you know hit this certain goal. I want to hit a goal that I can look at and say, sure, I did this. Because the Bible does commend discipline, right? Discipline is a good thing. Being a good steward of your body, a good steward of your time, those are great things. But that's not what we're talking about tonight. He's talking about adding to your faith because you, if you do these things, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful. So, you know, it's great to have goals. But really, in a nutshell, what do you want for next year, Right? What do you want? When you look back at 2022, wouldn't it be great to say, that was a year where I wasn't unfruitful, right? I bore fruit for the kingdom of God, right? So if that's your goal for 2022, if that's your goal for any point in life, where's your starting point? Well, you're given a promise regarding bearing fruit right here. Add to your faith. What? Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness and love. So, now, the interesting thing is, Peter's giving a list, all right? But this is a list of character qualities. This is not a list of actions. Peter is not giving us a checklist. And this is important, because you cannot ever check these off. You'll never be able to say, patience, got it, you know? Perseverance, I'm done persevering now. I've done my perseverance time, right? I've, I've been, I've had self-control. We're good. I've, I loved somebody once, right? That covers it, right? But you never, you never check these off. This is not a list of actions. This is a list of qualities. And we're adding, right? How many times can you add one to a number? As long as you want to go, right? And it might not look like very much growth to you, but you're adding. And the Lord, and, and it's not you adding that's going to change it, but it's you adding that's going to invite the blessings of God to produce the fruit in your life, right? So it's a beautiful list because it's a lifelong project, right? It, it, it can't be completed in a sense that we finish it and move on, but it can be complete in a sense that as we add them, we understand that we're receiving the promises of God, right? So it won't be completed, but it can be complete. It can be full. We can be adding these things into our lives. And so Peter's just going to go on. He's going to clarify a few more thoughts. Um, He says, "For, for he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren... Be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the, king, into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. Peter says, if somebody, if you read this list and say, yeah, I'm okay, I don't need it. You're, you're short-sighted. You're blind. You're clueless in, an, in, an, you know, in a kind sort of a way. Um, so, be more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. This doesn't mean like your salvation's at risk, but this means, hey, if God calls you, respond appropriately. And then he gives us another promise that as you're practicing these things, you're not going to stumble. 
And even another promise where he says, for in this way the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. The entrance is going to be wide open, which is interesting because Jesus said the path to salvation is narrow. Right? He said narrow is the gate and there's few that find it. But as we proceed down that in faithfulness, that gate becomes a highway. Right? It's the highway to the city of God. Right? So yes, it is narrow and there's few that find it. But as we continue in steadfastness, the Lord promises to make that way more open, more available. And make it, he doesn't say he's taking away all the hardships in life, but he's going to make the realities of it more real and our awareness of it more tangible. Okay? And so Peter then goes on. And he says, Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. So as Peter's writing this, Peter's had some sort of word from the Lord or something that Peter's time is drawing close. Right? Peter died a martyr's death. He finished out his race well, serving the Lord. Um, but he's got this some sort of awareness, like, hey, I'm, I'm getting close. So I want to stir you up. I want to make sure that you understand what I'm saying, right? This, this is, you know, last words always are a little more potent, right? So Peter's saying, hey, I want to make sure you guys get this, because this, this might be my last shot. And what's interesting is he says, so because more or less I'm going to die, I'm going to tell you something you already know, which is kind of an intriguing thought to me. Peter's getting close to death, and he doesn't say, I wanted to come up with some, you know, final, profound insight. I want to come with some sort of you know, final thing that would really just, just quiet all opposition. Right? He doesn't say that. What's he say? He basically says, I'm just going to repeat myself. And I want to make sure you guys know that grace and peace can be multiplied to you and that God has given you everything pertaining to life and godliness. And I'll repeat it. And he says, I want to make sure I'll be diligent that any time after my departure, you'll be able to call these things to mind. He says, I'm going to repeat this enough that... After I'm dead, you guys can still remember this, right? So, hey, it's okay to repeat yourself if you're speaking the truths of God, right? It's okay to repeat, you know, okay. grace and peace is written as a benediction in the Bible at least, I think, eight times. Um, I think more than that. Uh, it's, it gets repeated, and sometimes you teach through, or you listen to teachings through the Bible, and it's like, man, I've heard this before, right? Grace comes before peace. You can't have the peace until you have the grace. But you know what Peter says? I'm going to keep telling you anyways because I want to make sure that you get this. And who's you? Who's he talking to, right? We said this at the beginning. Who's he talking to? Us, right? So Peter wants to make sure that we get this, right? And Peter is dead. That's just kind of, you know, fact, right? Peter's dead. He's been dead for quite a while now. But we can still get this, right? Peter did his job faithfully. And then, as we're just kind of wrapping up, um, if you have a chapter break, starts at chapter 2, verse 1, really, the flow works a little better, in my mind at least, if chapter 2 would have started at verse 19. So we're just going to read through verse 18 and, and then stop there. Peter says, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this 
was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So Peter, where he's at with this, he's basically saying, hey, you know what? I'm getting ready to die. I'm, I'm giving you guys this benediction. And I'm just, I'm not, you know, tooting my horn or whatever. But I want to make sure you guys understand that I actually do have the authority to say what I'm saying. Right? I'm not just some Joe, you know, whatever. I'm actually coming at this with some authority. He says, I'm an eyewitness. I saw Jesus Christ. Not only did I see Jesus Christ, I saw God the Father declare to me that Jesus Christ was his beloved son. And in that, you know, he's, he's taking a kind of a flashback to back during Jesus' ministry. And so he's given us this story, but really he's reminding us of so much more, right? Because who was Peter, right? Peter got to watch Jesus Christ transformed on earth. He was one of only three people that ever saw that. Peter got to watch Jesus Christ walk on water. Peter actually got to walk on water himself, and then he promptly sank. Peter got to watch God restore him after he denied that he knew who Jesus was. Peter got to watch Jesus Christ die. He got to watch Jesus rise from the dead. Peter got to watch the power of the Holy Spirit change his life. Peter got to start the church in Jerusalem. Peter got to be the guy who brought the gospel to the Jews. He got to be the guy who brought the gospel to the Gentiles. He was the one who God used to bridge the gap to break all the racial barriers that had held the world together. And those barriers still exist, but they cannot exist inside the church of God. Peter was the one who got to be part of that, right? Peter was the guy who who's, is you know, probably the most relatable disciple out of all of them because he makes all of us feel like, man, God could use a guy like Peter who did just about everything wrong, right? He could, he could probably use somebody like me too, right? Peter's little piece of trivia, Peter's the only person who ever got interrupted by all three members of the Trinity. <laughs> Peter's on the mountain, Jesus is getting transfigured, God the Father's talking. Peter starts talking because he doesn't know what to say, or Jesus is talking, Peter starts talking because he just doesn't know what to say, and God interrupts him, says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, listen to him, right? More or less, this is my son, you would do very well to stop talking. Okay, God the Father, shut him up. Jesus is talking, he's talking about how he's going to go to Jerusalem and be crucified. Peter tries to stop him and say, no, 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 this really isn't what you want to do. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Okay, Peter goes to the house of Cornelius, he's sharing the gospel. The Holy Spirit comes down in the room, in the middle of Peter's sermon, and everybody starts speaking in tongues, and the sermon never gets finished, right? Peter gets used by the Lord in ways that few of us can, I mean, really in ways that none of us are ever going to get to experience. Right? Jesus told Peter, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. And Peter got to be the guy who brought the gospel, really, to the world, like nobody else ever has. So Peter, and, and we remind ourselves of that, to say, okay, this is the guy, right? This guy saw all the power of God, right? I mean, Peter saw the power of God in a way that really nobody else ever has. Peter got to watch the Spirit of God move. He got to watch God the Son move, right? And so as he's wrapping up, his finale to the church is, hey, grace and peace be multiplied because God has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness, right? And so if you're going to respond, if you want to bear fruit in that grace and peace, if you want to bear fruit in that godliness, 
that has been completely supplied, add to your faith. Right? Add to your faith while God multiplies in your life. Keep adding. Yes, yes, you get the privilege of responding by adding. But you get the greater privilege of watching God multiply. Right? So that's, that's Peter's message to us. And really, I can't think of anything that's, that's more relevant as we're just, you know, we're looking ahead. We're setting goals. We're trying to figure out where is life going? Where is the world going? Right? Everything is going ballistic right now. And you know what? It's okay. Because grace and peace can be multiplied. Right? You know, the hippies always try to say, hey, peace. But they never had the grace of God. And so that style of peace is worthless. Right? We have the grace, and the peace, right? So, that wraps us up for tonight. We made it through the Bible as a church in one year, which is, which is really cool, right? So, uh, finish up, go to, you know, finish it up, finish Revelation, right? But add to your faith, right? Grow in godliness. Just keep growing, right? That's, the, that's really the sum total of Peter's message is, hey, keep growing. You don't have to perform a ritual. You don't have to complete the checklist. You just keep growing and watch God multiply, right? So, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power that is in it. We thank you for your spirit dwelling in our hearts. We pray that you would multiply your glory, that, you, that your grace and peace would just resonate through our hearts and our lives, that it would impact and touch the lives of everybody we're around. God, as, as we are just looking down the road toward a new year, we pray that it would be a year where we could look back and, and see you bearing fruit in our lives. God, we want to be neither barren nor unfruitful. We, we want to receive the promises that you've offered us. We want to walk in them and embrace them and grow in them. So God, please be glorified in our lives. Have your way in our hearts. Draw us close to your presence. Use us for your kingdom. And God, it is in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our King, that we pray. Amen.